Hello, everybody. I am Drew Duncan, and we are live on Block 50 Radio. Do not forget that Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all at Drew Duncan Radio. Additionally, you can find Block 50 Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, Block 50 Global Radio. Do not forget we're online, block50radio.com, and we are wherever you are listening to podcasts. Simply tell your device to play Block 50 Radio on Deezer, iTunes, Spreaker, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Deezer, etc. Wherever you are listening, we are there. Guys, plenty to get to today. Obviously, we're going to be talking about Tank versus Garcia, the rehydration clause. What does it really mean, and did it really affect Garcia in any way? There's also some ins and outs in between all of that. In addition, obviously, we're going to be talking NBA playoffs. Of course, as the week goes along, the NFL draft is upon us. What are you wanting your team to draft? What position do you believe your team needs the most? Obviously, I'm going to be talking about the Denver Broncos as the week goes along. Of course, Sean Payton now taking the reins for the Broncos. What can Denver truly expect with him at the reins as their head coach? All right, let's get to it. First thing is first, Ryan Garcia, the rehydration clause, what does it really mean? First of all, I'm going to give you some quotes from Brian Garcia. Now, this is, of course, according to Dazim. He said, quote, I thought everything was signed and done last minute. They threw that at me, talking about the uh, rehydration clause. Another thing was that they had agreed to 138, and two weeks later, they said they were not going to do it unless you were 136. There's a lot of things that they hit me with last minute. Now, I want you to pay attention, though, to this last quote from Garcia. I don't even find strength in my weight or anything. I grow strength with the moment, Garcia said. Now, look, you could call that fighter talk. You could call it whatever you want to. But the fact of the matter is, is Garcia decided to agree to all these things. He could have said no. He chose to agree to it. And what did he say? It's not about my weight. It's not where my strength is. I feed off the energy of the moment. I get better as the fight goes along is essentially what he is saying there. And by the way, Garcia has been on social media saying it was a great fight. He wants to run it back with Tank. And for anybody, by the way, saying Garcia gave up, you get a check to the liver and see how you feel, especially when you are potentially a little dehydrated. Now, what is a dehydration clause? Well, or rehydration it's really simple, right? It puts a limit on how much a boxer's weight is allowed to increase between official weigh-ins and the actual fight. Now, this is Combat Sports 101. Anybody who knows combat sports knows this one thing. That a lot of guys will cut weight massively the week of the fight. They will then drink a lot of water, eat some food the next day. They will blow up. They will put on about 15 pounds, and then that will give them extra strength. Let's go back to the quote from Garcia. I don't find strength in my weight or anything. I grow strength with the moment. It is one of those things where you're either choosing to believe Garcia or you're not. I'm not saying that it didn't have an effect, but let's be honest. It is reported 
that Garcia's walking around weight is 180 pounds. He chose to fight at the catch weight of 136. That means he had 44 pounds at the bare minimum that he had to cut. Now, I don't give a damn who you are. 44 pounds in a couple of months is not easy to do. The diet restriction that you are going to have to be on is absolutely insane, not to mention the cut the week of. So, yes, with the rehydration clause, without it, if he would have saw fit to, he could have easily put on a serious amount of weight going into that fight. Now, rehydration is something that is necessary to a fighter nine times out of ten, especially when you don't do a proper weight cut. I've interviewed I don't know how many fighters. One of my very first big gets was Hoist Gracie. I've talked at nauseam with fighters about weight cut and rehydration and keeping yourself healthy. Folks, a lot of guys don't do it the right way. I've interviewed fighters that looked damn near jaundiced during the weigh-ins. Next day, they blew up, put on a bunch of weight, and now they're ready to go. The weight increase means they're heavier. It's harder to knock them down. Their strength. But meanwhile, the dehydration also means, look, I've talked to fighters that have told me, hey, look, man, I crawled out of bed and I was so dehydrated that I rolled my ankle and broke it. Hey, man, I was so dehydrated even going into the fight still because of rehydration clauses that I broke my hand. I broke my wrist. I broke bones. And let's not forget that the brain is a muscle which also needs to be hydrated. I mean, anybody who watches wrestling knows that Stone Cold Steve Austin had what he thought at the time was a heart attack. You know what it was? Dehydration. It is a real thing. It's a very scary thing, and it's a very dangerous thing. And as we know, combat sports is already extremely dangerous. But nobody forced Garcia to do this. And it was a good fight. Now, maybe we could see a difference in Garcia and a difference in the result if there's no rehydration clause going into the next fight. But let's be honest. There are a lot of fighters, and anybody who knows this will tell you, that game the system. And there has been a lot of things where, like, one championship and some other MMA outfits have gone to this thing where, no, you're going to fight right around your typical walking around weight. We want these guys healthier. We want you fighting closer to what you are because – dehydrating yourself and drying out is what they call it is so dangerous to the body it really is you can go into cardiac arrest I've already discussed broken bones there is a lot of issues with MMA and what it is is you get these guys and I'm talking about combat sports in general it happens in boxing you get these guys that fight at weight classes that are 30, 40 pounds under them because they know they're going to be able to dominate. They cut a whole bunch of weight the week of. A lot of them will drop, you know, 15, 20, 25 pounds the week of the fight. And then they will hydrate and eat and blow up the next day. And then they are ready to go. And that's how they kick ass. I've talked to fight promoters about this. It is a very real thing. And Tank said... 
nobody's going to do that. We're not going to fight 40 pounds below your weight. You're not going to cut the weight the week of and then throw on a bunch of weight all of a sudden and be ready to fight that way. You're going to have to figure out, if you're going to agree to this fight, you are going to have to figure out how to beat me without doing that. Garcia agreed to it, whether you all like it or not. I'm not narking Garcia. I'm not saying he's a bad fighter. I'm not saying any of that. What I'm saying is, yes, there is potential that it affected the way that he fought. But it affected the way that he fought, and he knew that it could affect the way that he fought. And he chose to do it anyway. That's all there is to it. Tank did a proper weight cut. He was at the same exact weight. That's what it is. It was contracted out that these two, neither one, would be at more than 136 pounds the day of the fight. And usually it's, you know, you got to be within X amount of weight. You know, a lot of times they'll say, look, obviously you're going to have to rehydrate a little bit. We don't want you at more than like 140, 142. A lot of those things will typically happen in these contracts. You don't want anybody to die in there. That's for damn sure. But the point is, is no, you're not going to blow up and put 15, 20 pounds on now. Again, Garcia himself said, I don't find it in my weight. Now, obviously, you could take that. Well, man, he's responding to the situation. What he's really saying there, Drew, is that, hey, look, man, these guys are worried about something they don't need to worry about. These guys are talking about him putting on all this weight, you know, and that's not it's not really how he gets his strength. He doesn't blow up, put on 15, 20 pounds just because he feels like it'll make him stronger. He could be saying that. I'm not going to deny that either. What I'm telling you is that he agreed to this. He signed these contracts and agreed to the weight. And that's literally all it amounts to. There are no if ands, or buts about it. He agreed to the weight. Whether you like it or not, this is the result. And I don't want to hear anything about it. Garcia is an adult, and he made a choice. His entire camp made a choice, honestly. There are lawsuits. There are things that you can get out of. If he, if what he says is true, that this was thrown at him at the last minute, well, then, no problem, bud. We've already signed what we've needed to sign at this point. I'm going to go ahead and say no to that. And if you don't want to do the fight, then just say so, and we'll spin it our way in the media. And then after that, we'll sue you for breach of contract. He didn't do it. He agreed to it. More than anything, we should be applauding Garcia for doing whatever it takes to make this fight happen. Tank won the fight because he was a better fighter that day. He was better prepared that day. Through his training, through his film study, everything. You don't have to like it, but it is the way that it is. Garcia should not be the topic of discussion. Tank's victory should be the topic of discussion. But here we are, per usual, 
either finding excuses for the winner or finding excuses for the loser. It's just not the way it's supposed to be. Two men agreed, and that's that. Whether you like it or not. All right. Obviously, NBA playoffs over the weekend. Boston goes back. They they regain control 3-1. I really thought they were going to sweep Atlanta, but, you know, hey, it is what it is. I find it very odd that Joel Embiid and company, especially without Joel Embiid, they're the ones that get the sweep and they move on. But then again, I have been telling people that this is the best that I've seen James Harden play in the playoffs. And it still continues to ring true. Minimizing turnovers. Really great with the assist game. Pretty good from the free throw line. Hitting some real clutch shots, especially from beyond the arc. Joel Embiid getting time to rest right now. The knee, obviously. The back, obviously. Getting time to rest now. Waiting for everybody else. The Knicks, they go up 3-1. They're dominating right now. They're playing well. Donovan Mitchell, non-existent. Even in the win, he really wasn't there. That Knicks defense deserves a lot of credit for the way that they are hindering Donovan Mitchell from doing anything. What do you have, two points in the second half of the last game? You want to talk about defense. And part of it is, too, Donovan Mitchell, he's had some good looks. Don't get me wrong for a moment. He's had some good looks. Just hasn't been able to do anything with it. I said from the outset that if the Knicks continue to play like this, tough defense, run your set on offense, rebounding, they're going to get the job done. Well, they have 18 offensive rebounds in that game, somewhere in that neighborhood. What have they been holding the Cavs to, especially Donovan Mitchell? You stifle the best player on the court nine times out of ten, it's going to work in your favor. It didn't, obviously, in one of the games, but you got to stick with it. That's all there is to it. Phoenix Suns, Devin Booker, boy, I'm telling you what, that combination. What those guys put up? 80 between the two of them in the last game? 80. 80 points. You don't think the Suns weren't glad to get Kevin Durant. You got another thing coming. Kevin Durant is one of those guys that is always going to be, well, he had to join a superstar team. That Phoenix Suns ball team is not a superstar basketball team. This is the time of year where CP3 disappears or he gets hurt. We've been seeing it already. Devin Booker has been carrying the load offensively for this basketball team for the last couple of seasons in the playoffs. There is finally another guy there who can score 
play defense, run the floor with you, be explosive. The Phoenix Suns are a different basketball team because Kevin Durant is there. That's all there is to it. Nuggets, Timberwolves, that game goes into overtime last night, which means I was up super-duper late. Tom, no, I'm getting old, man. I'm going to be 40 this year. I didn't used to complain about watching games till 12.30, 1 o'clock in the morning. I definitely sometimes do now. What are you going to do, you know? Look, um, Minnesota, you got to give it to them. You know, they just refuse to go down. You got to give it to the crowd. They were there showing support for the Timberwolves no matter what. You know, Edwards played a hell of a ball game. A lot of guys stepped up for that basketball team. Excuse me. When all is said and done, when all is said and done, the fact of the matter is Denver just allowed themselves to get down too much. They were lazy at the beginning of that ball game. And when they started to take it seriously, that was when they were able to claw back into that thing. Uh, They forced overtime. It was a good look, by the way, at the end of that game. Minnesota really should have won it in regulation, if I'm being honest. And when it went into OT, I thought, okay, you know, Minnesota had their shot. They made a run. They won at least one game in this thing. You know, they they went out, you know, not just laying down, but they persevered in overtime and they got the job done. This is what happens when you get too cocky and you decide, well, we're up 3 nothing. They're just going to lay down and accept their fate. You know, Charles Barkley said it best, there are no bad players in the NBA. Now, there are a few tough players in the NBA, but there are no bad players in the NBA. And if you give a guy who's not even tough but still not a bad player some leeway, guess what? The confidence is going to go through the roof, and as the game goes along, they're going to get tougher and tougher, and eventually they're going to decide, you know what? I'm not going to let you do this. I'm not going to let you sweep me. So even guys who aren't tough can get tough, especially in the moment. That's what Minnesota did, man. You're not going to do this in our backyard. Now, I don't think this thing goes to game six. I don't. I think Jokic and company, they get serious again, and they wax. They take it 4-1. Golden State, they were down 0-2. Something that, you know, first of all, uh, they've never had that situation with Steph Curry before, as I pointed out. They're 0-9 lifetime as an organization in series where they start down 0-2. Steph said, we're not going to roll over and die either. They made it 2-2. They have made it very uncomfortable for Sabonis. That crowd in San Francisco has been bananas. 
I mean, come on, in game three, every time Sabonis scored or touched that ball, they were booing. And Draymond played a hell of a game four. The assists, the defense, the rebounds, everything. We talked about whether you like it or not, Draymond Green's going to the Hall of Fame. And whether you like it or not, he is one of the best defensive basketball players to ever exist. And whether you like it or not, he is one of the best rebounders to ever exist. And whether you like this or not, he is capable of putting up points if he has to. He will step up and get it done. It may not look pretty. (laughs) That's for damn sure. But it will get done. The Warriors are back in this thing at 2-2. Obviously, it's going back to Sacramento. Now, look, whether or not they can finish it, I don't know. But the last thing you want to do is give Golden State any opportunities to get back into this thing. And that's exactly what Sacramento did. Look, it hasn't been the best season coming off of a championship for Golden State. But let's not forget about the Houston Rockets. Remember, they're back-to-back. Remember that second season? They weren't that good. If I remember correctly, they didn't even win 50 games that year. They snuck into the playoffs, and they ended up going to the NBA Finals and winning. So let's not forget that history can repeat itself. I'm not saying it will. I'm just saying right now, do you want to give Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, and Draymond Green any inkling whatsoever that they can beat you? Down 0-2, it should have been a foregone conclusion. See, I always talk about the killer instinct in combat sports. I announce combat sports. I always ask guys that are next to me that have fought in Bellator and UFC about the killer instinct. People talk about it with Michael Jordan, the killer instinct. LeBron doesn't have it. I'm not getting into all that. I'm just saying a lot of people believe that. Like it or not, Steph Curry's got a killer instinct. So does Klay Thompson, and we damn sure know that Draymond Green has it. Jordan Poole hit a couple of big shots. Look, the fact of the matter is, this team does not lay down. Oh, and by the way, Steve Kerr is their head coach. We forget about that guy who's been around greatness, knows what it takes. Sacramento is folding right now. Now, this game is going back to Sacktown, but I'm telling you right now, if Minto loses that game and the Kings go down 3-2 and then they got to go back to Frisco, that's going to be tough. To me, this is do or die right now more for the Kings than it is for the Warriors. Because nobody expected Golden State to be in this position right now. Part of being great is not only living up to expectations, but exceeding them. And it is wearing on their confidence, I promise you. What the hell happened? We were kicking their ass. We were dominating them. We had guys getting ejected. We were in their heads. We were playing out of our mind basketball. They weren't ready for us. What changed? What's wrong with us? What are we doing wrong? 
I'm telling you right now. It's dangerous for Sacramento. Game five coming up. Uh, I'm excited. We'll see how the rest of that series turns out. We'll see if Sabonis can regroup his troops, and we'll see who steps up to the plate. Pretty simple. All right, everybody. I am Drew Duncan. This is Block 50 Radio. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all at Drew Duncan Radio. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all at Block 50 Radio. We are wherever you are listening to the podcast. So we tell your device to play Block 50 Radio on iTunes, Deezer, Spreaker, Google Podcasts, etc. Wherever you are listening, we are there. And as always, stay safe and take care of yourselves.